7306.7 Planet Earth. At a time of political, geothermal, and socioeconomic unrest, many humans around the globe just try to get by as best they can. Two of these humans are Melanie out of the United States and Danielle of the UK. They created a podcast to while away their short and seemingly meaningless time while the planet and all they know is set to extinguish within the next 36 hours. Update. It's episode 10! Episode 10! It, it means that we've done nine episodes previously, and that this is currently the tenth. That's what that and means. I'm, and I'm wiggle dancing with joy right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think it's going well, Melanie? I'm stoked on it. I'm really enjoying it. Did we even tell them what you're listening to? I'm sure. I, I assume you know what you're listening to. Oh yeah. But this is zombie point. fishbowl. <laughs> A podcast about random shit. <laughs> Should we try I'm not again? redoing it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Fuck it. This is the this is the loose tenth episode. Yeah, yeah, we're loose with it today. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna chill out and we're just gonna have a conversation about sci-fi television. Yee! Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even read an um an academic paper. You didn't do an academic paper? No. Oh, man, I was so broken on that. I found one, but <laughs> I decided not to. No. We'd, we'd have a conversation about sort of the sci-fi television that's that's influenced us or things that we yeah. feel we need to get a little bit, get people on board with. Yeah. Before we get into it, do we have any uh, purges? Mm, um, I, um, yeah, yeah, but it's weird because you don't. Sometimes you don't want to um, burden people with your inner, you know, neurotic teenager. But mm. I've had a really, really bad body day today. Oh no. Yeah. I've, I mean, it happens, but um, to the point where I just kind of gave up getting dressed at one point and just lay on my bed thinking yeah. about how much I didn't want to be inside my body anymore. But, yeah, it's okay. I'm not yeah, looking but... for sympathy or anything. It's just it's just literally this morning I took a shower and then I was getting dressed and all my clothes don't fit properly and you, you don't feel comfortable in your bra isn't working i already perished about bras but bras definitely don't help and then you're just like oh everything's flappy and floppy and you don't want to leave the house because you don't want to be seen yeah. and then your hair does a weird parting <laughs> oh well if i could hug you and throw you in a gown i would do it thanks gowns always make me feel pretty yeah i've ever I'm actually worn one I just assumed that a gown would make me feel pretty, I no, think. No, I agree. I dressed as a Roman recently for uh, my internship, but it was yeah. a modified medieval queen outfit. So right. it, 
my mum had made it and I modified it to look Roman and it it was all right but it had a yeah. like um it had like a big circle skirt like a-line skirt to the floor so yeah. you couldn't walk up steps without picking it up and I felt like this is awesome <laughs> yeah I have, I have to pick up my dress to get upstairs yeah. or I'll fall on my face this is great yeah, no, it really takes you back to when, uh, you know, just just something really feminine. And uh, sometimes we, we want that. Feel pretty. Yeah. You don't got to do nothing for no one but you, lady. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Except that, you know, sometimes you just, yeah, you got to have a sob about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Nobody can see this. And, and you know, I don't know if you can kind of see this, but I've got, like, nothing but tears behind my eyes for, like, the last week. Oh, I'm sorry. It's alright. So my moan is is pretty. It's a lot, but I'm gonna keep it small. It was my daughter's birthday yesterday. She is now five years old, and she starts school on Wednesday. She'll be going to kindergarten. They'll be going to the same school, and uh, my children are growing up, and I can do nothing about it. And I am a very emotional person. <gasps> and Wednesday, I'm gonna have. Hey, breakdown. But Thursday, I'll be fine. So I just need to make it thin, and I'll be fine. <laughs> oh man, um, I can't relate to you on that level, Melanie. I'm sorry. All I can do is offer you my my ear and my fingers when we are texting. Um, you know, and I can just tell you funny. I can send you funny pictures of my cats. And it it really helps. Or like, yeah, when when I told you to make me laugh and you sent me silly faces, like, no, it helps. It helps a lot. (laughs) All right. Ready for a deep breath? Yes. All right. One, two, three. So, Danielle, should we get into it? Yeah, probably. Do you have an idea (laughs) of what you'd like to start with? So, for the most part, all I was just uh, thinking about were my favorite shows, and I admittedly am not, I'm I'm still kind of new to the whole sci-fi thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised on horror and fantasy, and that was, those, that, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I'm the most comfortable. And for the longest time, I just sort of assumed sci-fi to be like, this next generation Star Trek where it was, everything was very sterile and uh, it was it was just not something that I could wrap my head around until I saw like aliens and I was like, oh, okay, see, that's a sci-fi that I can get. Mm-hmm. Something that's gritty and and dirty and messy. But so I've I've gotten I've gotten fairly into it and I'll get into some of the shows that are my favorite. Um, but I wanted to start with just for the sake of seeming intelligent for a hot minute. The first ever American sci-fi TV show. I specify okay. American because that's that's what I that's what I found. You know, okay. I th- I think it predates uh, other countries, but I I'm not sure. I I I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> so the Dumont TV Netwick Children's Adventure Serial Captain Video and his Video Rangers okay. from 1949 to 1955. All right. So truthfully, I've never watched it. I watched a few little clips 
um, uh, most of the they, it was believed that there were 1,537 episodes. Oh. Um, yeah, most of them are gone and destroyed. Yeah, as was you know fair practice uh, back then. You know, stu- studios uh, uh, backlog got big enough they just sort of got rid of them. So most of them are gone, but I did watch a few little bits. It's terrible. It's so bad. It is not a great show. <laughs> this is this guy that like shouts Captain Video like the Ricola man just over and over again. <laughs> Captain Video. It's just oh, it's ridiculous. So <laughs> well, I haven't watched much. I thought it worth mentioning for a few reasons. One, historical context, mm. right? It's good to know where it all kind of started. Um, to to remember to watch it at some point, and so that in case anybody else wants to to watch it and and had never heard about it before, now we know. To have a reason to post hysterical photos on our social media because there are some great ads, because they yeah. were uh yeah they they were funded by you know cereals and all kinds of things and so those, some of those pictures are so good. Oh, is it the kind of program that has in-program ads where like the characters suddenly break and then they go brought to you by Brillo pads? You know, I'm not totally sure. I assume so. (laughs) Cause it totally seems like that. And, um, the, the last point, uh, and main reason I wanted to bring this up was to talk to you about I Tybor. So I'll talk to you about I Tybor in a second, but first I want to give you the premise. Quite simple. The premise is Captain Video and his sidekick teen and his teenage sidekick Video Ranger fight for truth and justice, receiving orders from Commissioner of Public Safety. And there's a lot to say. I mean, they have they have bad guys like oh god, you know some some properly racist uh, oh. caricatures of of bad guys. Some that felt so I I couldn't even write them down. I was just like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna. Yeah, they had, they had some good racist bad guys. Nice. Shakes head. But I didn't watch enough to, to feel like an expert or anything. So, I, Tybor, one of the first robots seen on TV, played by seven foot six inch Dave Ballard, who is also known as the world's tallest Santa. <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh. He's a rough cylindrical cardboard-like robot with claw pinchers. He was supposed to be named Robot Eye. But the stencil was put on the wrong way. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Mama, yes. Fantastic. That's really all I wanted to say. I, I just thought that was really good. And for a long time, it was kind of a rumor as to whether or not the stencil was put on backwards. You know, if that was just like a mistake or what. But there were some people. I was I was uh, watching some people going. No no no. I was on set. It was it was genuinely a mistake. We fucked it up. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. There's so many programs, especially sci-fi, that you find that things have happened the way they happened because of fuck ups. Either because yeah. the actual props didn't work, or they didn't show up on time, or they were too expensive and they had to improvise. I mean, I'm you know gonna throw out my nerd card here, but um, one of my favorite shows is The Prisoner. And I debated or not, uh, debated whether or not I was going to include the prisoner in this because it's sort of technically sci-fi, but technically it's like spy thriller as well. But it is, it's got some science fiction element to it. But their like security system is this thing called the rover, which is an air, like, is a weather balloon. And the reason nice. it's a weather balloon is because the actual rover, like robot-y thing that they were trying 
to have be the security system never freaking worked because they were constantly on sand and it didn't work on the sand. So they just oh. blew up a weather balloon and bounced it around. And actually, it's really freaking ominous. This <laughs> giant bouncing ball. So sometimes it just works. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that sci-fi television has got the biggest group of really sort of good at improvising you know, uh, props people like shit that's not working. Let's do something, and they're really good at it. Well, yeah, not only that, but fans of sci-fi we're fairly forgiving. Yeah, because a we have no idea what the future looks like, so you could do anything, and we'll kind of be like, sure, yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, <laughs> I can be intimidated by a giant bouncing ball. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What was that called again? Uh, Captain Video and his Video Rangers. Okay. I don't think he managed to say it once without a funny voice. <laughs> I, it's impossible. Before <laughs> I even heard it, before I even listened to it, I was saying it in my head like that. And then I heard it, I'm like, oh, of course. He's saying it just like I said it in my head. Brilliant. I'm, I was happy. I felt really, um, what's the word, validated? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... How do we want to do this? Because I got, you know, we got, we both got our favorite shows. Well, yeah, see, here's, you had your little um, uh, disclaimer there that you weren't into sci-fi as a child. And I am the same. Um, sci-fi is something that I've come to as an adult. Um, yeah. It was never something that really appealed to me when I was younger. I think that we watched programs that had sci-fi elements to them. Certainly, yeah. definitely, like Firefly. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That's a sci-fi show. Red Dwarf, Twilight Zone. Mm. These are all sci-fi shows, um, but not strictly like we're not going like Star Trek, Doctor Who, Babylon yeah. 5. Those I, got, I came into later. One of the things I sort of need to mention is that I share a house with somebody <laughs> and I share a life with my partner who's a massive massive doctor who fan since he was about four years old yeah so there are there are literally like kiddie pictures of him at blackpool illuminations like smiling with daleks so this is a legit lifelong love that he has had and he was the convert because i started this relationship with him I, you know, I'm interested in what he's interested in. So yeah. he started introducing me to all of these programs and I just fell in love. I thought I didn't think sci-fi was going to be something that I was really into. I liked sci-fi-esque things. So like, yeah. obviously like Firefly is Western slash sci-fi. Red Dwarf is comedy slash sci-fi. Twilight Zone is horror slash sci-fi. I like all the slashes. Yeah. But strictly sci-fi, I thought was kind of dweeby and a little bit cheap and a little bit DIY, and I didn't really like it until yeah. this program came along, and Turner changed everything with introducing me to this program, and it's now probably one of my favorite shows of all time, and it's a show called Blake Seven. Yeah. Most people listening to this will not know what Blake Seven is. And I urge you to go out and find 
find somehow some way of watching it because honestly it's so great i go to conventions that are just for Blake seven i've gone to um uh almost every year since since they started this very specific Blake seven convention i've been going i can't go this year though which is like heartbreaking i dressed oh. up one year as one character from it nice <laughs> so i've cosplayed as a gender-ended nice. character, because the character I I was dressing as was a man. So nice. I'm going to do a brief introduction. I didn't even really need to write anything down about this show because it's just so beloved by me. But Blake Seven is a show created by Terry Nation, who you will recognize as the creator of The Daleks from Dot Who. Got it. And it ran from 1978 till 1981. It's four series. It stars, the main character is Blake, um, and that's played by Gareth Roberts. Um, for the discerning television fanatics, you will know him from Children of the Stones, which I also recommend, but that is not sci-fi. And the other character that I'm going to mention, who is, I think, probably the best um, science fiction character ever created is a gentleman called Kerr Avon, played by Paul Darrow, who sadly passed away this year. Um, oh. Yeah, very sad. We love him very much. Um, Paul Darrow is he because he was so great. He helped the character be great, and Kerr Avon is just amazing. And that was who I cosplayed as was Kerr Avon. Um, but as a, a, a woman version of it. Um, nice. But <laughs> to describe Blake Seven would be to do it a disservice, but essentially I'm going to describe it in the words of Paul Darrow, and he always describes it as Magnificent Seven in space. Nice. Basically, they're all a bunch of criminals, except for Blake. Blake's been set up, and they are sent to a prison planet called Cygnus Alpha. Um, and the sort of universe is kind of ran by this sort of evil um, corporation organization um, um, called the Federation. So in Blake 7, the Federation is actually bad, whereas in yeah. Star Trek, the Federation is good. So imagine if the Federation was bad. This is this world. A lot of shows... <laughs> A lot of shows have gotten inspiration from Blake Seven, and I mentioned earlier Firefly. Yeah, Firefly is basically a 20th century, like not 20th century because the 70s are in the 20th century, but it's like a sort of <laughs> 90s, 2000s version of Blake Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if you like Firefly, you'll like Blake Seven. It's just lower budget, a bit dated. Kind of tacky costumes, but in the most fantastic way. Yeah, no, that's like that's always a gift. Yeah, it's a gift, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's um, you know, I highly recommend it. And I, I literally couldn't have gotten through this program without at least mentioning it, um, because it does not get the credit that it deserves. And yeah, I can yeah. tell you for a fact that Joss Whedon, he's seen Blake Seven, and he was yeah. inspired by Blake Seven at some point when he was writing Firefly. But there's absolutely no way. And if he hasn't, then some kind of dream manipulation happened because there are <laughs> serious elements in that show that are so much this... Because um, you could describe 
Um, Firefly is magnif- magnificent seven in space. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So that's my loving shout out to Blake Seven. Yeah. Well, we gotta, you know, in case people haven't heard of Firefly, we should probably maybe mention that for just a little minute. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So Firefly is probably my favorite sci-fi show. Mm. Hands down. Um. Because again, I I'm sci-fi is tricky for me much like fantasy can be really tricky for me if it's too if it takes itself too seriously i'm out of it Mm. i just don't care so firefly was a show from 2002 to 2003 a very short run one season but just like the sweetest most genuine little freaking show in the whole wide world where basically the earth basically split into two you had the two biggest powers of earth which was china and america and they branch out and just start terraforming planets all over the place and in terraforming these planets they want them under their control you know to to conform to their laws and their rules but then you have some planets that are just like you know what no you gave us this planet and left us with nothing let us just have this let let us just be here and have this so then you have malcolm reynolds and his uh, his uh, second in command is uh, Zoe, just um, yeah, fighting for the independence against the uh, the government poopity poops. Long story short, they lose a war. They get a ship and sort of become not uh, what's what's the word? Um, outlaws. Mm. They're yeah, they're like outlaws, but they're more. They take jobs that are given to them. They're they're not taking necessarily bad jobs for the sake of being bad. They're taking any job that comes their way just to keep their ship in the air. Yeah. It's got a tremendous cast. You got Nathan Fillion, you got Alan Tudyk, Gina Torres, Adam Baldwin, uh Jewel State, just just Stop a really reading tremendous... your list of actors, Melanie, you cheater. The only one I checked but there was Gina Torres. Okay, <laughs> the rest of them I know off the top of my head. And there's more names. I could give you a bunch of them. Marina Baccarin from Deadpool uh, and, and many, many other things. Just, oh, it's the best show ever. Um, no, it is, sorry. It is very good. I remember being very hesitant about watching it. I remember you bothering me quite sufficiently about watching it because of the Buffy thing. I mean, no, not, yeah, yeah. yeah, because me not liking Buffy. Um until later, again, that's another thing that I've come to appreciate in later life. But at the time, I did not like Buffy. I thought it was cheesy and terrible. And so you were like, yeah. no, but it's nothing like Buffy. It's nothing like Buffy. You have to watch it. And you managed to convince me. And I think we watched all, is it not eight episodes? I think I think it's like seven. It's so not it's seven much. Eight, it's not very long. But we watched them in about, I don't know, two days? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, but just keep in mind, people, that we don't live together. So I had to come over to her house and we'd binge watch three or four episodes. Then I would go home and then we'd have to do whatever. And then I would go back and binge watch some more. (laughs) So I think we managed to get through two or three episodes of sitting. So maybe three days. Yeah. Well, so what's funny about Firefly, too, is that, um, you know, there's there's Firefly and then there was the movie Serenity. And when the movie came out. I had never seen the show. All I knew was this poster of this cute chick looking like a little badass warrior, this tiny little thing. And my, my friend Jesse and her roommate Nick were just like, no, we're going to go see this movie because fuck yeah. But they, did, they didn't even tell me. They thought I knew it was the show. So, so that was never even part of the conversation. So we go and see the movie and my mind is just 
melting this whole time. This is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. And then as soon as we get out of the theater, Jesse and Nick are high-fiving each other. Oh, it's just like this show. And I'm like, what? There's there's more? Wait, wait, what? Huh? And I immediately watched the show. And then I watched it again. And I think in the first year after having seen that movie, I probably watched that show like 20 times. Yeah, no. I've only sat through it that once with you. <laughs> Uh, well, because so I mean, this you is going on like thirteen or fourteen years ago. I I took like six friends who had never seen it and and made them all watch it. So, and and individually from each other. Yeah, and I well, I think that I might have made Turner watch the first couple episodes of it. So I think I've watched the first couple episodes a few more times. But we've I do own it, but you yeah. know, there's so much to watch in the yeah. world, and then a rewatch really sounds like. You know, like you're really committing to something. But then I sit around on days like today and I just stick on old comedies on Netflix and I think I could be rewatching something good. Yeah. And another show I really wanted to bring up because it's also a great one. And I know that you we've we mentioned it a, a briefly in one of our chats. Lex. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're going to have to leave this one because I genuinely don't remember anything about it other than the talking head and the girl with pink hair, then blue hair, then purple hair, then I don't remember. <clears> but And there's a guy with like one string, three strings of hair. He was like kind of it's new Kai. age. Kai of the Brunin, the last of the Brunin G. Mm. So Lex is a Canadian-German co-production with some additional funding from Britain's Channel 5. Is a sci-fi channel nugget of bizarre sexual grotesquery that never gets old. Um, the main characters are the Captain Stanley H. Tweedle, played by Brian, D- Brian Downey, a sex slave slash cluster lizard, Zev, played by two totally different but equally gorgeous women. The first one was Zev, Z-E-V, with white hair, played by Ava mm-hmm. Haberman. And then uh, I think she was for the first season and a half, maybe two seasons. And then you had these smoking hot, just, just, oh, God, just too hot, grossly hot, red-haired Zev, X-E-V, of the last two seasons, played by Xenia Seberg. You also have an undead assassin slash love interest of uh, Zev, uh, Kai, Last of the Brunin G, played by Michael McManus, and a love-crazed robot head, 790. So, Lex ran from 1997 to 2002. In the first four episodes alone, you had actors like Barry Bostwick, Tim Curry, and Rutger Hauer. Mm. Um, so many, so many actors, and this thing was so low budget. Just crazy low budget i worked at a hardware store for for over 10 years right almost everything that they used for like torture devices or medical devices or or just some kind of something in that show i could tell you exactly what it was and what aisle they got it at the local (laughs) do it center wow so funny but so so the the premise is stanley tweedle is is a just dipshit idiot um selfish careless little dink um who's not good at his job um so on on one like so in the in the pilot i guess he he 
he's about to lose his job. He's like one point away from losing his job, which usually on this planet, that is a cluster planet, means that he's going to die. If you're not useful, you're going to die. Mm. Um, and then on one hand, on the other side of the the planet, you have this this woman who was raised to be a a wife, to be this person's husband, but she's she's a large, warty. Um, her husband doesn't want her. Looked at her and was went, "Oh God, no! Why?" And so instead of not doing the marriage, they sent her to a sex slave um, facility to be sort of like reformatted to be better at her job. And in the process of of this whole thing happening, so it mutates her body and and she's got this beautiful, gorgeous woman's body. And then one of the indigenous creatures of the planet, a cluster lizard, gets into the machinery just as it's about to like kind of like stamp stamp into her and stamp her into shape or something. Mm. So now her body is genetically fused with cluster lizard. So she's still gorgeous hot woman, but she's got uh, the... She's got the attitude of a cluster lizard. The <laughs> the willingness to fight the the uh, I don't take no shit and occasionally will will hiss at you and and want you dead kind of uh, mentality of a cluster lizard. And she got up out of the machine just before they were about to imprint the sex slave uh, brain waves into her brain, and she grabbed a uh, robot head from nearby and put it into the machine. So now she's got this robot head that's got all of the sex slave programming. Oh. Yeah, this is always severely lacking when I watched the program out of context. <laughs> so seven ninety, he's just like, yes, my love, my darling, dear. Let me just, just put me in your lap. There's, there's so much sexual innuendo, and the show is so gooey, for lack of a better word. It is a very gooey show. It does like have a the Cronenberg sort of goes to space feeling to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with all the budget of, like, Captain Video. It's just really, <laughs> really, really low budget. And But, like, gooey, though, the walls goo. The plant, the, their ship is, like, this giant dragonfly-type ship that eats organic matter. So, and, and it's an incredible ship, can do all of these cool things, but it needs to eat. So every once in a while when it's running low on fuel, they have to park it on a planet where it can just eat the planet, eat portion of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a cool ship. I love that ship. It's so squishy. <laughs> I love it so much. But when I first started watching, uh, to to go into another sci-fi show, Farscape. Mm-hmm. Farscape was a a hard one for me to wrap my head around for a hot minute, because it was kind of the perfect example of, of if Red Dwarf and Lex had a baby, it would have been Farscape. Oh, I've never seen it. Is Farscape funny? Farscape is funny. It's, it's again, it, it takes a good couple episodes to sort of get into it. But again, that's that's my own, I, that's my only hang up mm. with sci-fi. I, I can just be a little bit weird with it. But it's Jim Henson, man. Oh. Jim Henson Muppet. Jim Henson makeup. Like, yes. So I was, once I realized that, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a solid shot. And the first episode, ugh, the the main character, I don't, uh, uh, but everything else, I, I really enjoy it. But again, it's it's kind of like everything I love about Red Dwarf and everything I love about Lex with Muppets, but then a whole bunch of that like taken out. It, it's just like this weird, you're not quite as good as the two other things that I love, but you got Muppets. So you're, you'll go into my top 10 sci-fi shows. Okay. 
kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it, it also has one of the, the, I don't know if it's catchy to anybody else, but anytime I hear Kai, who's the undead assassin, sing his song, and I think in the last season, that sort of became the theme song, too, it will get stuck in my head for weeks. Uh, weeks. A home vibrate. Don't. No, no. You don't have to sing already. <laughs> you don't have to look at her face when she's... <laughs> She's so passionate, and her whole body sings. <laughs> no, it's fine. You can have, you can love what you love, but you know, I kid, I kid. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that's definitely something that um, I didn't commit to watching, but I think I only ever watched with you. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that either you owned it or you had access to it. I'm not sure. But the only access I had was through you, and I don't think that it was something that very frequently got played, because we were busy doing other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it was on Sci-Fi Channel, and whenever it was on Sci-Fi Channel, like, if I if I turned it on and went, oh my god, it's Lex, yeah, the world stopped. Okay, Lex I think that, that maybe that's why I've seen so little of it, and it's so out of context in my memory. It might just be that we turned the telly on, and it was on, and you've left it on. Wow. Um, yes. How do we segue? Should I just? <laughs> Was there another show you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I've got a, I've got some notes here. Um, I did do some. Um, because I really wanted to talk about um a show called Sapphire and Steel. Yeah. Okay, so this is another thing that I'm going to be recommending mostly to people because I don't imagine that many people will have heard of Sapphire and Steel. Um, This year is its 40th anniversary. Uh, It premiered in 1979, if you can do maths. (laughs) It carried on until 1982. (laughs) And it stars Joanna Lumley and David McCallum. So Joanna Lumley hardly leaves an an introduction, but if you don't know, she's from the New Avengers and infamously absolutely fabulous. Um, (laughs) But she's an all-round talented person, though... As she's gotten older, her poshness has started to show, but we won't go into politics. Um, Yeah. But David McCallum is very beloved. Um, You guys over there will know him from The Man from Uncle and NCIS. So The Man from Uncle was sort of the thing that made him huge in America. And NCIS has made him beloved. He's the um, autopsy um, tech that is like these um mentor yeah he's the only character that i don't hate in that show yeah i don't really particularly like ncis but i just like that he's there in his twilight years being old and cantankerous and being him and just being lovely so yeah but um when he was younger he was quite the dashing dude um i mean i I think he's still i think he's aged well um anyway so in sapphire and steel uh, Joanna Lumley plays Sapphire and uh, David McCallum plays Steel, and they are referred to as interdimensional operatives. But nothing's really quite explained. This is the genius of this show, is that everything's left quite ambiguous. Okay. You are going to view one of their assignments, and you are 
not going to be explained to what's going on. You're as if you have just happened upon and are witnessing them doing their job. They wouldn't be explaining everything to each other, you know, exposition. They just do it. Um, So it's never really fully explained what's going on. But you do know that it has to do with time, regulating and protecting the flow of time. So they are elements that have been assigned. There are other elements that are also, um, uh, these are like probably their code names kind of things. They have um, code names or call signs or whatever. So there's gold, lead, copper, jet, diamond, radium, loads of them. But they're sapphire and steel. Um, yeah um, so it's the women gems and the men minerals no no um there's no um sex there's no sort of gender lines um and they're referred to as elements even though some of them are not not elements (laughs) no it's it's not accurate but that's because that that leads to the more to the uh, you know the ambiguity of it because you don't know yeah. if the element part of it is referring to what they are rather than their name okay because they have powers yeah oh so yeah so they can actually sort of manipulate time and uh like joanna lumley's character sapphire can rewind time but she can't rewind time that long she can't go for a full 24 hours she can only go in like sort of <laughs> blocks um yeah. Like steel has like it insane amounts of strength, and he can also sort of like pick up on information as can um sapphire. She's a lot more intuitive, and she but it's never really clear whether she's getting it telepathically or if she's being like fed it information from some kind of database. Yes, yeah. just basically they're assigned to these um cases that where something's kind of gone amiss with time. So this is where it kind of gets its eerie horrorness as well, because all of the assignments, well, most of the assignments play out like a ghost story. So you have these very eerie, tense and like frightening atmospheres where the people in it are kind of explaining it in the way is sort of of ghosts and hauntings. But Sapphire and Steel know better and they know that it has to do with time. There's something wrong. Something is wrong with time. There's an episode in a really old spooky house. There's a railway station that's haunted by soldiers. There's one like this weird fetus thing in the wall. So it's kind of like Rosemary's baby kind of thing. There's one with like um, photographs that are coming to life. But when they come out of the photographs, they don't have faces. I mean, it's fucking terrifying. But the whole point of Sapphire and Steel is that they have to work out what what what's gone wrong with time, kind of thing, yeah. and fix it. Um, it, you will instantly love it. It it's just it's beyond what it is. It doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Um, I think from like really nerdy sort of people like who are properly into television and sci-fi yeah. in general, it'll be up there. People have watched this program and have been inspired by it in some way. It is, it's something that I think Joanna Lumley and David McCallum themselves really like talking about because it sounds yeah. like the experience itself was really good and that they really appreciated it at the time. It has since, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the audiobook company called Big Finish, but they do, no. do a lot of 
Right, well, they do a lot of audio stories. They've, they've gotten really big with Doctor Who fans. So they do a lot of um, Doctor Who stories, and that's their, like, big seller. It's very much like fan fiction, but turned pro. It's very cool. Nice. Um, Sapphire and Steel had an, had a, a season of of big you know big finishes um, audio stories in which David Warner played Steel, so it's highly respected and highly regarded and I highly recommend it. Get out there, watch Sapphire and Steel. It's so good. I also have a jumper with like the the opening lines to the program <laughs> on it because I'm a total dork and it's just like transuranic elements must not be used where there is life. But anyway, <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, it's absolute. Oh, it's, I was about to say it's absolutely fabulous. Oh. <laughs> well, see, and I, I really want a Christmas sweater, like a really hideous Christmas sweater with the Firefly with Serenity all over it. I've seen a couple of them, and I can just never get the money together to get one. But someday, someday, I want one. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some pretty fabulous ones. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna do an honorable shout out real quick. And yeah. you're gonna appreciate it in just a moment, okay? Honorable mention to a absolutely god awful show. But god awful in the way that actually is very endearing. Okay. Because it was for children. Um, but it had one of the biggest budgets for a children's sci fi show ever and the baddie was played by someone who i know is going to be very close to your heart melanie sid haig oh oh i think i know what you're talking about yeah 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 as in six foot six sig haig of rob zombie uh yeah 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 so uh, you know like fucking hell like horror man right so we know him as horror man at the time he was really frustrated because he kept being cast as like a motorcyclist like a um like a rebel motorcyclist so he actually had retired from the business and was just frustrated with his typecasting and he was offered this job to play this extremely camp baddie but like he makes it just so good and the show is called jason of star command have you ever heard of it no oh my god it's on youtube you have to go and watch it it is it is so funny for all the wrong reasons (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 like an offshoot of a program that was called uh space academy Um, yeah it is definitely a kid's show but there's some weird shit going on in there and then just on top of that it's just terrible but I'm, I mean this with love and this I can't get this across uh, like enthusiastically enough when I say something's terrible but like yeah. in this way that makes me smile I almost love something more for it being like yeah. that because um, it just it makes me like and enjoy watching it so it's an experience <laughs> Let me, yeah. hopefully i mean there's gonna be some people that might come back and be like fucking yeah jason stark come on but it is, <laughs> it, it's like 1978 i think um hold on i don't know if i wrote it down um i 
think I think it's like 1978, but I mean it's it's competing with other really you know top quality um, sci-fi shows. But it's yeah. it's it's Saturday morning kids television, and it has Sid freaking Hague <laughs> playing That's the awesome. body. And he's wearing platform shoes in it as well. He's already yes. like six foot six. Yeah, he's huge. I've met it's, him a few times. He he actually lives uh, not far from me. I didn't think he did. I just does he run? A, does he have a shop? Uh, that I don't know. I've I've run him run into him at Ralph's more than once. Okay. Um. Well, and it's really sweet because I I grew up loving him from this this black and white horror movie called Spider Baby mm-hmm. that I watched as a very small kid, and he played a character named Ralph. And uh, he kind of, like, lived in the walls or something. Um, but whenever this spider baby wanted him, she's like, Ralph, 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 And so when the first time I, I met him, like, actually met him, I'm all like, I mean, obviously Captain Spaulding's amazing, but but for me it was really Ralph. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes, oh, spider baby? And I'm all, yeah, is it okay if I just, Ralph? He goes, yes. Ruff, 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 ruff. And I just had my little Ralph moment at him, and it was just, I was so happy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates that. <laughs> I'm sure he yeah. does, actually. He really does. And yeah. he looks back at his time at Jason and Star of Stark Fan really fondly as well, because I just, I kind of watched a little bit of a documentary um, on it, just to kind of get my head around, head around it a little bit. And um, he, he's very, very fond of it. Um, he enjoys the fact that he gets to do it like that. You know, like it slowly, <laughs> slowly gets its pace maniacal laugh. Yeah. Um, and he gets to do it like every episode and they use like the echo effect and everything. It's just, it's fantastic. Um, nice. It's everything that has now become a sci-fi trope. Yeah. Um, but it was almost as if it knew it was going to be a trope already kid shows tend to do that like i've noticed that they they take the tropes and and make them into something that is going to set a standard or is going to be the standard at some point it's it's really it's really kind of neat because now that i watch a lot of kids tv i I see it a lot more it's a lot more clever than i kind of gave it credit for and i think it's kind of been like that for a long time i think it's the children's television is very good at stripping away all of the sort of extra stuff and getting down yeah. to what is actually making something a certain genre or, or making something interesting or whatever and then they just do that it's because they simplify elements. it for kids but yeah. it's actually quite a clever concept yeah so to already have all of these like stereotypes going on of sci-fi in the 70s where there's still like there's still a lot of space to go to um, yeah. and they've already hit a lot of them and it's sort of like oh I wonder if that was a sea change when sort of sci-fi became serious I'd love to talk to somebody who is really into sci-fi like properly yeah. like knows the history of it because they might say yes yes by the end of the 70s people were kind of tired of the cheesy low budget silly sci-fi and they came into the 80s that's when it became gritty and dirty and, and I imagine that that might be pretty accurate because the, when I yeah. think about later sci-fi I do think about gritty dirty like you mentioned it earlier aliens yeah. you know that that sort of becomes it's not as funny you can't really laugh at that um even yeah, Star Trek kind of gets serious aliens. Hmm? there's some good humor there's some good humor in aliens what I didn't realize is just how funny you know, just recently, well, not recently, in the last, like, six months, 
I've made the habit of falling asleep to original Star Trek. And my mom is a hardcore Trekkie. Um, mm. So I remember growing up on, on you know, Trouble with Tribbles and, and stuff like that. But I didn't realize genuinely how fucking funny that show is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then it also incredibly good. inappropriately funny as well sometimes. There's been oh, some yeah. episodes where they have their like little laughing ending where there's Spock, Bones, and Kirk, and they're yes! like, laughing or something, and you're like, holy shit, people are dead. <laughs> you're literally laughing at this man who lost everything. Yeah. <laughs> really quite inappropriate laughter going on. But then at the same time, you're absolutely right. The, rep- the relationship those three have on that yes. show is... It's is gold. I absolutely I can't believe it took me so long to watch that show. Who's your it's favorite? Fantastic. Who's your favorite? Spock! Yeah. Please. I'm all bones. I, I know love bones. Okay, I say that, but then I go, but what about bones? Yeah. But no, Spock I... Spock by uh, by a fingernail kind of thing. Yeah. And and um, I love Kirk. I love Kirk so much. So I love all three of them so much, but if I had to pick a favorite, it'd be Bones. Yeah, I think um, Nichelle Nichols is badly served for a lot of the the show. Sorry, that's that's uh, um, uh, Hura, Lieutenant Hura. Yeah, Hura. She just she owns it when she's on screen, but I think oh, that if yeah. her character was given a little bit more development, it would have been better. Um, so I can't say that she's up there in my top because the character was never fully developed. Same as yeah, um, Sulu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love I love Sulu. And I yeah, whenever she gets a chance to you know, flirt with Spock, yeah. It's just like the oh, greatest thing. I just it wish just they- makes me so happy. Yeah, I just wish that they'd padded out the other characters a little more because Sulu's great, so as is um oh god, um Russian guy. Oh, uh, uh Chekhov? Chekhov. The, uh, Scotty's great. Scotty's they're great. they're quite padded out actually. Scotty's pretty padded out, but um definitely the three of them the, it's the rapport that they have as actors, the relationship yeah. they have that comes across on the screen and I absolutely love it. I have problems with Kirk because he preaches one ideal, like the sort of Roddenberry equal, e- equality ideal, but then he's in his actions, he can be quite old-fashioned. But I think that's more to do with um, the writing of the show, because the writers changed. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody didn't quite know how to write certain characters, maybe. I'm not quite sure. But Spock is pretty consistent throughout, as is Bones. Yeah. Um, so Bones does kind of weirdly get this weird comic relief stuff towards the end yeah and and sometimes when he get, gets a little pervy it's a little weird yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but oh. i just watched this one episode that i was like kind of fell in love with where no man has gone before okay i'm not good with titles you have to tell me so where no man has got before, I think it was the fir- third episode of season one. It was like really early on, but this one guy who was uh, one of Kirk's friends somehow attains like godlike powers, and just kind of gets more and more. He can read minds, and now right. he can move things, and now he can create his own world. Man, he was so hot, and the contact <laughs> lenses that they used were so cool. Like yeah. that whole episode just straight up blew me away. And you know, like I said, I've been falling asleep to them. So a lot of times I'll watch the first half of an episode and then 
you know, fall asleep for the second half and then try and go back and watch it later. So I watch a lot of it in, in chunks, but this was one that I, I couldn't fall asleep to. I was just like riveted. I love every second of this episode. (laughs) I'm genuinely surprised by how much I actually loved it to the point where I've said to Turner, like, this might be my favorite TV program ever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he's gone, such... are you sure about that? Yeah, I, I go back and forth, but I would say that it's definitely, definitely my top six favorite TV shows. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, so it's fucking good. amazing. When when I Last tattoo I got, I, I have a habit whenever I'm getting tattooed, if the, the pain is significant... I either cackle or or I sing or something. And and this time around, I had a completely unexpected reaction, which was to hum the Star Trek theme song loudly <laughs> the entire time. And this poor guy was just all like, yeah, I, as much as I really appreciate what you're doing and, and I am impressed, uh, you got to not do that. Uh, it's my Bioshock tattoo, uh, Big right. Daddy and Little Sister on my on my leg, which hurt like a motherfucker. I was shocked at how much that hurt. Aww. Yeah, big nerd. That's my that's my nerd my only nerd tattoo so far. Everything else is all like spiritual, but oh no, wait, and I have nail bunny on my shoulder, so kind of nerdy. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I felt like we we couldn't do this episode without bringing up Star Trek. No. I really do. I, I've spent so so much of my life just kind of going, if I'm doing any Star Trek, it's Kirk and Shatner, and I'm not going to touch anything else. So I've straight up refused to watch any other Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, although I admit I did watch the, the more recent movies, but again, Captain Kirk. So, you know, it's not like I'm totally lying. But I just started watching, was it Next, Next Generation? Can and I I'm just hoping... say something real quick? Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch is calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> that... I mean, yeah. <laughs> can we just have a minute there? <laughs> Think about him in that that black costume. Yeah. Oh, just, um, just a minute there. Yeah, just give us a second here. Hold on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I mean. <laughs> Can, can I just say that I don't really like Benedict Cumberbatch in, like that way in anything else? It's uh, only it's only Star Trek. Uh, I just and that him all flowing coat. That flowing coat and the flopping hair. Jesus it's Christ. Yeah, it's like dramatic. Trent Reznor. It's <laughs> Right, carry on as to why you won't watch the rest of the Star Trek. <laughs> While we find well, ourselves. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm just starting because, again, for, for the longest time, I wasn't big into sci-fi. So so this is still, it's still new to me. Like I said, I only really started getting into sci-fi, I'd say, in the last, like, 12, 13 years. But I, considering I'm in my 33, you know, I'm 33. This is, you know, the last third of my life. I, I've just started getting into it. And the next gen and all the other sci-fi uh, Star Trek shows just sort of seem like the perfect example of what I don't like about sci-fi. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. there seems to be a seriousness to it. There seems to be a sterility to it. 
Um, but again, I don't, didn't know. I just sort of refused it on principle. So I just started watching it and I got to say that I have developed a crush on Q. It's very bizarre. Yeah. But you know me, I, Danielle knows me. I yeah. develop crushes on unexpected people. Melanie, I think there was about a year of my life where I was into Paul Giamatti. You don't need to talk about weird crushes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was because he played John Adams, and I really liked that historical that's, shit. That's right. You were real hot on John, Anna, John Adams. That's right. <laughs> Fucking funny. I oh, really like history. <laughs> See, and I just, I like guys with uh, goofy eyeballs and, uh, like, Rick Mayall and, uh, 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 guy who plays Smeagol and, yeah, and uh, um, 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 Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, baby. first crush yeah. I ever had. Not only did he have crazy, he had the beautiful these eyebrows, these dramatic eyebrows that just they sang to you. These eyebrows. Hmm. Yeah. So, so the guys I like are all cartoony and and bizarre. I had a crush on the Chucky doll from Child's Play. <laughs> I was like five. Yeah. I was like, old going, now nope, that voice, and it wasn't about the doll, it was the voice. Was, that voice is yeah, hot. Same thing with the plant from Little Shop of Horrors, hot. Anyway, aside from me being a weird ass kid, so yeah, uh, I developed a crush on Q, and I can't wait to see how that goes. So we'll see. We'll see. For, <laughs> for totally different reasons to Melanie, I have not watched the rest of Star Trek. The reason why I've not watched the rest of Star Trek is because it seems like so much of a commitment because there's so much yeah, of it yeah. Yeah. so i have been deterred from it simply because of its volume however whenever i have dipped in i've enjoyed what i've seen so, yeah. so it's definitely on my list of things that i want to get through i am very concerned about deep space nine because i like babylon five and Deep Space Nine seems like a little bit of a ripoff of Babylon 5, but we won't get into that because I have not seen Deep Space Nine in order to formulate a total opinion on it. Also, I've only yeah. watched the first series, first two series of Babylon 5. Actually, it might only be the first one, which is also very good, by the way. It's just that uh, we took a break after watching series one and then mm -hmm. didn't go back to it. So it's another one we're going to have to rewatch, but... You know. Yeah, I hate to admit that I, I did that with Stranger Things too. I need to get get back into that guy. Can't say I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I love the first season. I just I, I need to get back into it just to give it a solid uh solid go. It's, yeah, it's, I, I wasn't. I'm not as into it as everybody else is, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, I'm gonna let people have it. Um, because it, I think it's just one of those things that I think some people really like to watch nostalgia television things that um yes. you know that they can recognize like oh i used to wear clothes like that and oh i used to play video games like that and oh i used to to me i find that really annoying and patronizing yeah i just... think maybe that's what bothers me is it feels a little bit like it's pandering to the nostalgia era yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't think it did that so much in the first series which is why i've continued to watch it um yeah. But now it's just too much for me. It's too much. Like when they're in the mall and they're at like, oh, hot dog on a stick. And rah, rah, rah. I'm like, fucking hell. It's, you know, come on, guys. Give yeah. me some plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm going to finish watching it. And I'll just, I ha there has been a few episodes that have infuriated me. But I'll just, it's not for me, I think, at the end of the day. Some yeah. people like that kind of fun nostalgia telly. The Terminator character that's in it at the moment is driving me mad. And... 
I just think it's too much. I think it's over the top with its nostalgia. Yeah. But hey, went on a rider again, saving the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even her character is getting annoying. Yeah, I, again, I haven't, I've only seen the first season, so, you know. Okay, fair enough. Okay, fine. Do you want to talk about anything else before I bring out the big guns? Uh, I don't know. No, not really. There's no okay. way that we can go through this episode without talking about it. Is it Doctor Who? No, it's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it counts yeah. as television because it was a television show. Now, I have not watched. Right, okay, that's fine. But basically, everyone expected me to talk about Doctor Who because of my Who house. Um, yes. There is behind me on um, a bookshelf, not only can't quite see, but every single shelf of it is Doctor Who DVDs. My other half owns every single one, including re- reprints or whatever it's called when they re releases and special editions yeah. and all sorts. They're all there. He even has the ones that are worth a lot of money because they were a limited release. But I'm yeah. not going to tell people where we live, so it's okay. I can say that. But <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Doctor Who because um, I I don't need to. Everybody knows about it. So yeah. you can go watch um, you know, YouTube videos and listen, listen to podcasts about it. It's fine. Cool. Do you? I'm not a big fan of the new Who, but I do. My Doctor is um, Troughton, which is the second Doctor. And that's all I'm going to say. But <laughs> I will. I just wanted to talk about Hitchhiker's Guide because Hitchhiker's Guide is it's it's kind of a thing of, of culture here in, in Britain with you 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 nerds. Yeah. Um, Douglas Adams is like godlike status. Um, yes. Yes. Hitchhiker's Guide was it started off as a radio series and then it became a novel. Um, Yes. So yeah, it was a it was a radio show first. Was it was it a radio it was a novel. show first? Yep, yep. It was a radio show first. <laughs> it was on the radio first, and then Douglas Abbott wrote the book, and then it became a double LP, like um was released on LP. Then it became yeah. a stage show, and then it became um the TV show, um and then later films. So I'm not gonna go too much into it, but essentially Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is you know nerd cred uh yes yeah King. yeah definite i just yeah. have some some fun little facts that i'm just gonna throw out there in case you didn't know douglas adams was a very modest guy and he was quite shy and nerdy and blue 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 and he didn't really know or realize how popular hitchhiker's guide was mm-hmm. um until he showed up to a signing for the book this is probably in like uh, sometime in the 80s. Yeah. And the cues for his signing were out the door of yeah. this this uh, shop that he was signing his book at. And he thought, you know, he didn't realize it was that popular. And it was all of a sudden he was like, oh, my God, like <laughs> people really like this. I didn't realize so, you know, the the popularity of Hitchhikers um, was very surprising to him. He also doesn't really like the last two. So I think okay. that is uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish and then another one I'm not quite sure, but he doesn't quite like him. He said he, his heart wasn't in them. Mm. Um, so you can kind of tell, he says, he thinks you can tell by reading it that his heart wasn't quite in them. 
Also, um, May 25th every year is known as Towel Day. Yeah. Um, so if you've watched or know anything about Hitchhiker's Guide, you'll know that the towel is the most quintessential item in the intergalactic Hitchhiker's Pack. So you've yep. got to get yourself a towel. you got to know where your towel is at all times. And also, just in case you've not heard this, but you've heard the fan theories, the number 42, which is the answer to life and everything like that. And you know. everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, the number 42 is, is totally random and doesn't mean anything. All the fan theories surrounding that it has something to do with, um, you know, some Buddhist religion or that it has to do with, like, if you square root another number and all this other nonsense. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. It's total, it's totally, he literally said in like 1993 or something like that, he, he was like in an interview and he said, no, I sat back in my chi- in my chair away from my typer and I thought, I need a random number, but I need it to be kind of small. 42. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. There's really nothing else to it. If this random number brought people to some like sublime answer, you can't say that that's not uh, accurate, you know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> whatevs <laughs> he just wasn't thinking about anything when he wrote it yeah so find meaning in it if you want but he he certainly didn't lovely guy douglas adams yeah taken too soon yeah so anyway oh so i was i was saying the film isn't great uh, but the tv show is fantastic so get yourself a copy of the bbc Hitchhiker's learn Day. yourself something and go watch it it's very good. It's very, very good. Do you want to hear the academic paper that I found but didn't read? Yeah. It's not actually a paper, it's a book. And I put it in my wish list because it sounds really bloody good. And it's called Is Data Human? And essentially, it is introducing people to philosophy using Star Trek. So nice. from, from the abstract, from the, the well, you know, like from the blurb from the book, it says... From the nature of a person, of minds, and of consciousness, to ethics and morality, to the nature and extent of knowledge and free will. So it's philosophy through Star Star Trek. Nice. Like, is data human? Because I looked at um, scientific and like <sighs> academic papers that use sci-fi, specifically Star Trek, because that was the easiest thing to sort of search for. Um, and there's absolutely loads. They explore culture, expression, race, gender, religion, technology, metaphysics, being human, philosophy, myth and mythology, storytelling and folklore, government, economics, politics, um, cultural theory. So, yeah, there's a uh, lot. Utopia, dystopia. I mean, uh, it, the list goes on. Don't write sci-fi off, man. It is yeah, yeah, yeah. intellectual. You know, even the original series of Star Trek really tackles a lot of quite intense cultural issues. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even beyond the obvious, um, Roddenberry's vision of the future was one of equality, and we're still striving for that. We're not there yet. Ain't there yet. We've got a long way to go. But I think introducing people to the concepts of philosophy using Star Trek is absolutely genius because I can think about in every sort of instance of like a philosophical conversation that I've had where I've been able to reference some science fiction program. Yeah. So 
I mean, science fiction definitely gets down into the root of of very human characteristics and very human aspirations. Yeah. So um, what it is we want the future to look like tells us a lot about ourselves. Yeah, we, we just went to the uh, Long Beach Aquarium yesterday and there was this whole little video about what the future could look like if we, you know, really took a hand in saving the planet and the oceans and this and this stuff. And it was it was really cool. My kids, of course, didn't understand it. But um, the sci-fi vision of, of the buildings and what we would look like, these, these sort of floating uh, islands of agriculture and, and technology, it was just really neat. Now it's just from a sci-fi nerd standpoint, I was kind of going, you know what? I don't hate that. That's really nice. I like it. I can dig it. Yeah, and I'd, like I say, it's, um, you know, I hope that we don't end up on these flo- floating agricultural <clears throat> islands simply because the glaciers are melting and things like that. I hope that those are things that are more more positive than that. But though I have very little um, oh. positive things to say about shit going on yeah. at the moment, I definitely think we're heading towards a dystopia rather than a utopia. I think we're heading to a future more like Firefly than um, Star Trek, if I'm honest. Well, I don't like your predictions, and uh, I'm going to disregard them. Yeah, that's fine, because you have little humans that you don't want to be living on a planet with Reavers. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, when you got kids, everything is ten times scarier. Just saying. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to end on a global warming note. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) No, fair enough. So, if you like this show, if you liked the shows we talked about, or if you have any shows that you want to mention um, and point in our general direction as people Uh who are kind of budding sci-fi enthusiasts, you can hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our email, zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. Find us, Zombie Fishbowl. We're easy to find. Also, we're on iTunes now, so if you want to subscribe, leave us some reviews, leave us some stars, leave us some love. We'd really appreciate it. The more the merrier. Yes, please. <laughs> and I think that's that, so let's pick a topic. Random topic picker. Random topic picker. You're a random topic picker, and you're gonna pick a topic. Ooh, this one's a fan request. Nice. This one comes in from Mikey, Melanie's sister. I think Mermaid? this might be her second request to be done. And I it think is so. Mer people. Yes! <laughs> Yay! Mermaids! Mermaids! I win! I wouldn't like. So that's it. That is our next topic is going to be Mer people. Very politically correct, Mer people. Mer people. <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. This one's going to be a struggle for me. I'm going to be honest. But I always, I there's always a surprise when I go on Google Scholar. And there's yeah. so many like cool mythologies and, and lore about mer-creatures and mer-people. Yeah. I've got really excited puppy face right now. Yes. I hope that uh, that sounds exciting to other people as well. <laughs> it's fucking better. If you're not excited about mer people, you're not living. Oh, okay. Wow, that's gonna be a fun week. <laughs> I'm 
No, genuinely, I'm I'm looking for because I'll learn something because I don't really know anything about mer people. I only know about um, I guess sirens. Do they yeah. count? Yeah. Okay. That's Greek mythology, you see. So. People of the sea, people of the water. Okay, cool. So more people next week. So shall we finish on a quote? Let's finish on a quote. Okay. In the words of Douglas Adams, don't panic. Yes! Short and sweet. I almost kind of want to make that our ending every week. Yeah, I love it. That that made my heart happy. So, yeah, I, I saw that and I thought, do you know what? Why not just say at the end of every week, we can still do our other quotes or whatever, but at the end of every week, I'm going to say, Melanie, don't panic. And I'm going to scream. Yay! <laughs> All right. Do you want to close us out? All right, everybody. See you next week and don't panic. Woohoo! <laughs>